Hey everyone, I'm Sarah James, a beauty blogger and self-help aficionado. And I'm Kristen Howerton, a writer and psychotherapist. And you are listening to Selfie, a weekly podcast about two women trying to tackle better self-care. We are both of the opinion that self-care is important, and yet we find it elusive. And while we may have all the info we need, we don't always get there. From the silly to the serious, we are taking a vulnerable yet humorous look at body, mind, and spirit. And maybe a touch of the random, all while looking at the distractions and defenses that keep us from caring for ourselves like we should. Hello, hello. Well, today we are going to be talking about community care versus self-care. This was inspired by something someone posted in our Facebook community, as often is the case. Um, There was a really viral tweet that went around that said, shouting self-care at people who actually need community care is how we fail people. So Rue and I are going to be talking about that today. We're also going to hear from Claire, who is answering a question about manicures and whether or not manicures actually make your nails peel off. We're also going to be hearing from BJ. We had a listener question about being the breadwinner and whether or not that can be an issue for women in a relationship. But first, um, I've got Rue here with me. Rue, how is your self-care going? Pretty terrible. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's been a rough work week and just more travel and more press. And, you know, when it comes down to it, I just didn't want to go for a run or go to the gym or, you know, eat actual vegetation and everything like only burgers sounded good. Yeah. Only burgers and only pizza. I ate like a teenage boy all week long. So... (laughs) Well, you were your life kind of exploded in the last two weeks. Yes, it has. And I imagine it will continue to do so. Uh, and hopefully in good ways. But yeah. in the meantime, it's so funny because we had, you know, the episode last week about like emergency self-care. And as this was happening, someone who had listened to the episode uh, texted me in all caps, sounds like you need like dun 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 emergency self-care, totally. which is true. I did. But I am I am going to get there, I think. And I just keep reminding myself this is short term. Um, and so I will get back into the swing of things soon, especially because I love how I feel after I work out or, um, and I hate how I feel after I, you know, only eat processed food for 72 hours. So, (laughs) well, I, I feel like though, isn't that though, like how we all feel about adulthood? I mean, your week for sure has been absolutely bonkers, but I saw this meme that was like, adulthood is saying next week, things are really going to calm down for me every week for the rest of your life. Yeah. Yeah. Just, <laughs> just until you die. Yeah. Uh, I, I, it was the same meme, but it was, um, it's uh, adulthood is just saying, um, sorry for the delay in emails. <laughs> no, it's so true. It's so true. And I feel uh, like it's always when we're going through the worst kind of personal stuff that we're somehow like talking about it publicly. Like I I actually start my whole book with the story of NPR wanted me to talk about being sane over the holidays, but I forgot to schedule the interview in my phone and they called me and I was naked and covering myself in calamine lotion because because I had stress-induced shingles. As I'm on the phone talking about tips for self-care over the holidays. Yeah, yeah. I like, mean, do as I say, not as I do. Totally. So anyway, yeah. 
Um, yeah, we're here, guys. We're here with tips for your self-care. <laughs> Me well, and how about you? How, how was your week? How was your week with self-care? It hasn't been great. I mean, I don't know if you can hear. I have like a bit of a cold. I, I actually, it's funny. I posted about this on Facebook today and asked. Oh, like, I saw it. Am I the, like, are we the only family where it feels like we haven't gotten the full-blown flu? Like no one's been totally out, like, throwing up, like can't function, but we've just been cycling through this sort of mini flu. Like it just goes through the family and then the next person gets it again. And so I've had this sort of mini flu like three, four times. That reminds me of, uh, just to circle back to memes, um, there was this tweet that said, winter is just me asking my body, are you sick? And my body responding, maybe, winky yep. face. <laughs> totally. That's yeah. totally how I feel. So it's like, I'm not, you know, I'm functional. Um, I got dressed, you know, I don't have a fever, but I'm like super snotty and just so tired and achy and like kind of chills, cold feeling. I don't know. Same here. We've. I feel like we fling around the uh, the thermometer like it's a frisbee. Yeah. It's like like none of us have like a hundred and three, but we're always like ninety nine point five. Totally. Well, it's funny. I couldn't find my my daughter actually did have a fever last night, and I couldn't find the th- thermometer. And I'm like, you know, I just feel like we're just good knowing you have a fever. Like, yeah, I don't know yeah. how bad it is. If it, if you look worse, I'll take you in. But yeah, I don't know. So yeah, and then, you know, when you're sick, it's like you you don't feel like eating healthy. I feel like I've just eaten saltines like for 72 hours. Yeah, and then you always think, I'm like, oh, saltines and ginger ale, that'll be good. And then you just, well, for me also, and I know we have to talk about this next week, but for me, you know, growing up with a Filipino mother, my comfort food is definitely a bowl of just hot white rice. Oh, nice. It's just so good and just comforting, and it's also really bland. Yes. Yeah. Well, that is, I mean, rice, remember the brat diet? That was right. like what you were supposed to feed your kids when they were sick. Isn't rice is the, the R? Yeah. Bananas, rice. Rice, applesauce. Applesauce and toast. Toast. So, yeah. Yes. Carbs and applesauce, basically. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I'm definitely, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely hanging in on the brat diet right about now. <laughs> Um, do you have a two thumbs up for this week? Well, actually, one of them is a little bit related to our al- ailments. Um, so I've had a lot of stomach upset. And my stomach, I will say, even when I'm not, um, <laughs> I'm laughing as I talk about this because <laughs> oh, no. I actually don't often read the podcast reviews, <laughs> but someone I did today, just today, and someone left a comment and said, episode such and such, all they did was talk about gas. I'm never listening again. Don't listen unless you want to hear two women talk about gas. (laughs) This is is before my time. And now I'm bummed that I missed out on that episode. I'm just laughing because it's like, I I just think of all the things that we could offend someone with. It was that we spoke of about gas. But here I am again, ready to talk about my gastrointestinal issues. So if that person's listening, you might want to turn it off. 
Uh-huh. And if anyone else doesn't mind us talking about body ailments, you can leave us a nice review <laughs> on Apple Podcasts to push that one down. Anyway, oh. here I am talking about my upset stomach all the time again. But I do. I have, you know, I just have like upset stomach constantly. So there's these tummy drops. They are like little candies and they have ginger and peppermint in them. Mm. Um, and they come in different flavors. They have peppermint flavor. They have sweet blackberry ginger flavor. And I do really feel like they help settle my stomach. If I take one when, you know, you know, when your stomach's just a little bit like, eh, yeah, not happy with you. Um, so I have been sucking those down en masse this week as my stomach has been a little bit upset. Wait, and I have to tell you, I yes. have to tell you a story about this ginger. Okay, so I was I was on a flight and it was last year and I was on one of those teeny tiny planes and it was just like an hour and a half flight and oh. uh, I was <laughs> and usually I do okay on flights. Sometimes I have to take Dramamine, but it's an hour and a half flight, you know. And I I had just had a layover and um, we were uh, we hit a lot of turbulence because there was a storm oh, and so it was worst. this it was this tiny little plane and Kristen it was so bad. That there were maybe twenty five people on the plane. Oh, every no. every single person was barfing into their oh, barf yeah. bag, yeah. and we were all. I was just curled over. I was just curled around it, and one woman was just. She just had. I mean, it was awful. She had a panic attack, so she's screaming and crying because the turbulence oh. is so bad, and we're all trying to comfort her, but we're all vomiting. <laughs> and That's the flight so attendant. Awful. The flight attendant just has his head in his hands and yeah. is like not responding like, to I anyone. Yeah, so we go in for the landing and we're telling her, like, we're gonna land, we're gonna land. But the turbulence was so bad, he had to pull, he had to pull back up and, I, don't, I can't believe I'm laughing. He had to pull back up and circle around again. So we all just keep vomiting. And then we were like passing around extra. Mm-hmm. Barf bags, and <laughs> it was so bad. We landed. We're all clutching our, you know, our vomit bags, and there were police there. And a police officer sat with me until I was like no longer sick enough, and I could take an Uber home. Oh my but gosh! This woman across the aisle, she just reaches in her bag and she goes, "Here, have a gingin. It's gonna help." And it oh. was just <laughs> you're like. This is no. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, it was what I needed in the moment. Like we had all been vomiting so much, and I had been like reading a book and feeling really smug about reading a book on the plane. And so I have, you know, my copy of of uh, Underground Railroad, and I'm just and we're, and we all walk out just clutching uh, barf bags. But now I always buy a bag of them when I see them, just in case, just in case someone needs them. Well, I will say a part of my travel routine is I take a boning every time I travel just because I've had enough run-ins with turbulence. And, you know, once it starts, like once you get that nausea from turbulence, you can't like pop the boning then. You have to like be ahead of it. (laughs) <laughs> yes. So I just take one preventatively every time because I, there's nothing worse than that feeling. Yeah. I mean, I do the same with Dramamine, but I, I'm always afraid. Like, I, I just pass out. I don't know if, if yours makes you sleepy, but I end up I end up sleeping for sure. No, bonine is – it's actually the active ingredient in non-drowsy Dramamine, but they also sell it as bonine, and it doesn't knock me out at all. Um, I, I take it – and it lasts for 24 hours, so I'll usually actually take it the night before I fly. Um, and then it still lasts, but I get, Whoa, that's great. Yeah, it's awesome. I also get car sick in the back of Ubers. So every time I travel, I just basically take one every day. Yeah. 
wow. Oh, so man. I'm a delicate flower. <laughs> yeah, no, no, me too. Me too. Road trips are like my personal hell. Like uh, it's... Yeah, those little planes, uh, you can get really, really sick on the smaller planes. Um, you know, there's actually have another story about a small plane, but I was once flying on a tiny, tiny plane in Haiti. Um, and it was just like jumping from one end of the island to the other. And there were, I, you know, I want to say maybe 20 people on the plane. And it flew at such a low altitude that he kept the windows open the whole time <gasps> we were flying. Um, and so the cabin wasn't pressurized. And so everyone started falling asleep. And I remember sitting there watching everyone like completely pass out and thinking to myself, don't fall asleep, don't fall asleep. And then the next thing I knew we were landing. <laughs> <laughs> that I feel like that's I feel like that's a subplot for like, a, I don't know, a TV show where everyone gets robbed. I know it was so weird. And also on that plane, they didn't have like a cargo area. So all of our suitcases were just piled in the back of the plane. Like in a pile, <laughs> like not secured at all. So if we hit any turbulence, I guess they just would have flown around. Oh my gosh! Any, uh, anyway, yeah. Anyway, was- so for that that woman who or person rather the person who left us the the comment about our uh, digestive systems, we definitely doubled down. Just well, now. you know what? I'm just gonna bring it. I mean, <laughs> I have more stories where that came from. We haven't even I covered can- poop. I can talk about vomit all day okay. long. All well, day. Can, you know, hold some back. Like save all it for right. save it for a all future right. episode. Okay. Um, and then my other um, two thumbs up is I think I mentioned this before. I've been trying food delivery services for my lunches because I'm really yes. failing at lunch. So I tried a new one this week. It is called Territory Foods, and I really like this one. Ooh. Um, and it's interesting because, you know, you can go in and order, you can choose your foods in advance, but like one of the things I could order was from, was from Gratitude Cafe, which is one of my favorite restaurants. So they're somehow like, I don't know if they're replicating f- foods, like popular dishes from healthy restaurants or if they're actually getting it from them. Yeah, or like partnering with them yeah. or using like, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm really liking it. Um, they have paleo, they have keto, they have vegan. If anybody's interested, we actually have a coupon code if you wanted to try it. It is www.territoryfoods.com slash yum slash selfie. And that'll get you $50 off your first two orders. So $25 off your first order, $25 off your second, which is a pretty good deal. And so same thing, no prep involved. You just like stick it in the microwave. Oh, that's great. So it's 2020's Milkman. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? What do you have for two thumbs up? Um, so I generally, I love a cheap thrill, uh, especially if it's like a cheaper version of something that's pricier. So there are times where Amazon Basics and Amazon Essentials oh, does, yes. does good work. And yes. I've been wearing Amazon Essentials, like their sweatshorts, which are just mm. you know, sweatpants but shorts. And then also their uh, jogger sweatpants just for kicking around the house. I, you know, when 7.30 rolls around, I'm out of my regular clothes and I'm in something with an elastic waist. And so oh, I really yeah. like I really like these. Um, but then my other one, I'm a little embarrassed about this. I feel like if my mom listened to this episode, she'd be di- she'd be disappointed. But now that I am no longer, I don't know, 22 and I get hangovers, mm-hmm. um, which is a bummer because I feel like I'll get a, I'll, I'll be a little hungover even if I just have, you Same. know, like t- two cocktails now. Yep. Yep. 
So I have no idea. This could 100% be a placebo effect, but it works. So it's these pills called um, their Cheers Restore. Hmm. And you basically, like, let's say you've had a couple drinks, then you take a few pills before bed, and you wake up, and it's supposed to minimize the effects of a hangover. Now, I think it's just like a ton of... I don't know, B something and magnesium, whatever. But I have admittedly done the, have you ever done this? Have you ever gotten a hangover? Um, And then you have someone show up to your hotel room with an IV and a nurse comes and gives you an IV so you no longer have a hangover because you're actually on a work trip. I have not done this, but I know about it because you did it. (laughs) You're such a liar because I know you did it. I know that you did it with Jessica. (laughs) Yes, yes. And I will say this. In my defense, my HSA covered it, and I felt really smug about that. Are you serious? Yeah. So, uh, you know, we had gone out, and I forget, we were celebrating a birthday or something. We were being entirely too obnoxious for our age, and it was... Seven in the morning, and I went online and I scheduled it. And a very nice nurse came and hung up the little IV bags and gave us, you know, I'm I'm cool with needles, and so you know, and we just sat there and <laughs> ordered room service as this slow drip just kind of healed us. That and is so funny. Yeah. Otherwise, it's it was one of those where I would have been, you know, I would have felt nauseated all day. So this is like the much cheaper and probably less effective version of that. So uh, <laughs> I'll, you know. I don't. I don't ever go nuts, but um, even again, even a couple drinks. Like you ever have like that second glass of wine, and then you're like, oh man! Like the next morning, you just feel a little. Ugh. Oh, um, for sure. I mean, I really, I can't. I can't really even get buzzed anymore because I will for sure have a hangover. I can have a drink and a half, or I'm going to have a headache the next day. Yes. Yeah, so it says take three capsules after your last alcoholic beverage or before bed. And so, uh, again, placebo effect, maybe, but I haven't, I no longer, like, I, I travel with these now, and they have been, they have been great. I, nice. Yeah. And I'll, let me just say, it's got, I don't know what it has. It's just, it's probably just, like, a ton of, yeah, B12, B6, milk thistle, which sounds like something that's not even real, prickly pear. That just sounds like a, I don't that's know, fake. a jolly, yeah, that's like a jo- <laughs> That's definitely a Jolly Rancher flavor. And I think that's a flavor of like a, a shot that I did in college. <laughs> anyway, I uh, I swear by these now. And so I've gone out with a, a couple of friends and then I'll say, hey, you know, this is your last drink. Take a few of these. And they've been like, wow, miracle. So, so I just want to point out what peak self-care content we're offering today. <laughs> we... <laughs> We have talked about our gastrointestinal issues, again, despite it offending our listeners. We've given recommendations on tummy things, sweatpants, Mm. and how to get drunk without consequence. I mean, we're real highbrow here. You're welcome. (laughs) My mom, my poor mother. Mom, don't listen to this one, please. No. Um. Yeah, no, I I like this. I I think that we have uh, probably helped at least two or three people with our at recommendations. Least. So at yeah, I'm, I'm going with that. Okay, well, I have Claire with me, and she is going to take a reader question. This is our Ask the Esthetician segment. All right, Claire, here's your question. Okay. I got a manicure in November, and ever since, my nails break and peel so easily. I don't get manicures often, but I remember this happening the last time I got one too. Any suggestions for strengthening my nails now, and should I just never get manicures, or is there something I can do to prevent this in the future? I really have two answers for this, because I am 
a manicure addict. Okay. I do gel manicures. Mm-hmm. But a gel manicure really... A gel manicure really is the same thing as, like, wearing an artificial nail. Right. Because they they file your nails down so thin. Uh-huh. And if you're taking the nail polish off, the gel off uh-huh. the incorrect way. Right. You are peeling parts away of your nail. Oh, for sure. So I'm going to assume that she's referring to a gel manicure. Okay. So if you are getting gel manicures, you are diluting yourself of any kind of nail health. Right. You're- it's it's sort of like once you, it's like fillers. Once you start, you kind of have to commit that this is just what I'm going to do. Absolutely. Okay. Number two, if it's a regular kind of manicure, mm-hmm. then I don't understand why this would be happening. Well, what if they're, maybe they're buffing her nails and they're just taking too much off? If they're doing that, then yes. But okay. a normal manicure with a regular buff, mm-hmm. I mean, that is actually how you grow really healthy nails. Right. Because you continue to trim and buff occasionally. Mm-hmm. But the gel manicure is going to destroy your nail. Just no question about it. Well, because the the destroying really happens in the removal of the gel, isn't that? The removal and the preparation because they're making sure that your nail, because a lot of us have like ridges in our nails. They're making sure there are absolutely no ridges. Okay. They're completely flat Mm -hmm. and extremely dry. Right. Because they want to make sure that that, when that lacquer is going on, that there is absolutely no moisture Mm -hmm. on your nail. Mm -hmm. Also, acetone, pure acetone that they're using in the salon. Mm Mm-hmm is destroying your nails. Okay. When If you're going to be doing your nails at home, I really recommend not buying 100% acetone. Got it. Go to Target, get their brand. I think it's like a 50-50. It right. still takes the nail polish off. Right. But it's not... You know like when you do acetone on your nail, it looks like your nail has been dipped in acid for a second? Yes. It's white. Yes. Yeah. It's, 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 it is absorbing every bit of moisture right. that you have in your hands. Um, so assuming this uh, question is for the gel manicure... Yeah, you're destroying them, so you have to keep that. <laughs> That's all I can really tell you. There is a really great line, though, called Nail Tech. Mm-hmm. And it's expensive, but mm-hmm. you can find it at CVS. It's been around for a long time. And there's, like, three steps. Mm-hmm. It's, like, a one, two, and a three. And it's for if you're wanting to bring back your natural nails. Mm-hmm. And you can do it kind of over the course of a week. Hmm. One's a strengthener. Uh-huh. One's a hardener. And I think one's, like, a shine. Got it. And so if you keep putting the hardener on your nails, it will eventually start to kind of come back. Also, tried and true, I don't know if anyone remembers doing this as a kid, but drinking gelatin. I was going to say. Yeah, the Knox brand yep. gelatin. It wor- works for hair and nails. Well, I feel like we drank it back in the 80s and then we also like dipped our nails yeah. in it. It's 100. I mean, we're drinking collagen, guys. It's the same, it's isn't all it? Coming That's back. It's funny. It's rebranded. It's rebranded. Yeah. That's so true. So like, if you wanted this whole, like, the whole collagen kit, uh-huh. like at the 99 cent store, you can get the Knox. Like, <laughs> It's the same freaking thing, really. That's really funny. And then also biotin. I, I don't talk about biotin enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I have I have pretty weak nails and like, you know, hair thinning around my hairline. Mm-hmm. Biotin really does help. Yeah. And I think that there was something that you were eating a couple uh, years ago, the gummies. Yes. That has a ton of biotin in it, Sugar too. bear. Yes. Mm-hmm. Ha- great for hair and nails. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and I feel like so many companies are making biotin. I mean, you can yeah. like search it on Amazon. There's a million gummies and pills of biotin now. Or you can just go to Trader Joe's and buy it for like $3. Oh, yeah. Because they have their line and it's the same. So smart. All right. Time to hear some relationship advice from BJ Hickman. Hi, guys. So here's my question for today. Our listener writes, my husband of two years and I are ready to start a family. And my mother made a comment recently that really got under my skin. You know, it's really hard to start a family when you're the breadwinner, speaking from experience, she said. I tried to shrug it off, but it's stuck in my brain. I make twice my husband's salary and it hasn't been an issue in our relationship. But I am conscious of the fact that we could survive without his salary, but not without mine. Is there truth to what she's saying, or do I try not to let her opinion and rough marriage with my father affect my own situation? 
Oh man, don't you just love how our parents can get inside our heads? Here's the thing. Sounds to me like you and your husband have a pretty healthy marriage that may look a little different than the marriage your parents had. And so your mom had an experience in her generation at a different time in life and in the world than you're having it that was difficult for her. And she's projecting that onto you. And is there some reason to be concerned? Very possibly. You could possibly have the same experience or not. The truth is, what I would really encourage you to do is just get into curiosity about whether or not that's true. And the only way it would be is if you and your husband are not on the same page as much as you think you are. So the reality is, any decision like this is so big, and it can only be made through a series of conversations that you and your husband need to have about all the details of having a child, including how your finances fit into it. What does your maternity leave look like? What does his paternity leave look like? If you end up having a cesarean and, or maybe even, God forbid, there were complications and you needed to be off longer, are you prepared for that financially since you are the primary breadwinner? Um, You know, what happens? Can he, can he take on more responsibility or does he need to take on more responsibility around the house in order for you to be able to work full time um, and have a baby? What does childcare look like? Can you afford a nanny? When will the baby go to childcare? Will he be available to pick the baby up at times when you can't? Um, who stays home when the baby's sick? Those kinds of things are all conversations you need to have. What kind of parent does he plan to be? Does he plan to change diapers, take every other feeding, get up with the baby at night? Or is he a traditionalist when it comes to fathering? Do you know? Have you had those conversations? Those are all the things that need to be negotiated and navigated before you will know if your mom's uh, foreboding (laughs) prediction is actually a reality for you because your your relationship is unique to you. It's certainly unique to you in regard to what your parents' relationship looked like. And I think if the two of you sit down together and figure these things out, you'll know whether you need to be worried about that. It'll come forward. I will say when we're doing, when we're planning families, our families of origin do come forward. The things that happen to us as children do come forward. We start questioning whether we can be better parents than our parents were and all of those things. And if you and your husband We'll have those conversations. If you'll get your mom's voice out of your head and put your husband's there and you guys sit together. And if you find that you're running into some roadblocks about it, that he's got some pretty strong beliefs about things that you didn't realize he had or you do, and his expectations of you are different or yours of him are different than what you realized, you may find that you need some support around that. Don't hesitate to get a therapist to help you navigate these conversations if that's what it takes. Because becoming parents is one of the most significant things you will ever do in your lifetime. And you want to just make sure you're going into it with your eyes wide open and um, in agreement as much as possible, or at least willing to agree in the right places and move from there. Good luck. Okay, so we wanted to talk today about community care, this concept of community care. Somebody had posted this meme um, that I had actually seen go crazy on Twitter before, but somebody posted it in the Facebook group, which is, it's a quote from Nikita Valerio, who um, apparently is um, an expert on 
um, community organizing and she specializes in like cross-cultural bridges and compassion and community care. But she, wh- one quote of hers that went very viral was shouting self-care at people who actually need community care is how we fail people. Um, have you seen this happen? I mean, I saw this – well, I saw this in the group, and then I saw this um, – I guess I saw it on Twitter or Instagram, too. And I thought – and not to make this about me, but uh, it is called selfie. Um, as an Enneagram, too, I really struggle with asking for help. Yeah. And I, I kind of want people to intuitively know what I need because I feel like I'm really – good at doing that for others, maybe, you know? Um, And I also just still, I I don't ever want to put anyone else out. Um, So there are times where I feel like I do struggle and no amount of Epsom salt baths are going to get me over the hump. I actually need support from someone else. Um, On the flip side, I have a friend who's a five and she has no problem saying, hey, I'm in a tough spot. I need you to, you know, watch my kid, run an errand, grab groceries for me. Um, And I'm always so happy to do that, but I cannot verbalize that myself. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I really struggle with that myself. I, I, I'm an Enneagram three, so I have this high value for seeming capable, you know, and to ask someone to help me is really difficult for me. And then I also feel like we're, we're living in this sort of, isolated time in terms of community, like growing up, my parents had the church, right? And the church was where, you know, if you had a baby, people would rally around you and bring you meals or I don't know, it just it felt like that was that community care kind of embodied. Now, not that there weren't problematic aspects of the church. Sure. But the church was where we got community care. And I have had a hard time in my adult life finding that place where community care is sort of built in, right? Like where it's sort of a, um, not something that you have to ask for, but more of a cultural norm or a standard. Does that make sense? Yes. I actually, I, um, I wrote about this because it meant so much to me, but you know, so my mom's from the Philippines and I was born in Hong Kong. Um, and when I was a a baby, you know, up through being a toddler, my mom was a, a single mom. And, uh, you know, at that time, Hong Kong was under British rule. So Mm -hmm. it was, you know, just lots of people from the UK were there. And a lot of Filipinos were there. um, And they were they were nannies. They were the, uh, you know, yeah, they were nannies. And so it was often these, um, you know, wealthier families that would hire these nannies. And my mom, uh, because she worked and she supported us, she also had a a nanny and it was another Filipino woman. And so she, uh, you know, this woman was, this woman's name was Norma. And, you know, she would take care of me and my mom would, you know, go to work and and, uh, come home. But then on the weekends, all of the other nannies in the area, they had, you know, that was their time off and they could stay with their employers. But instead, they wanted to, you know, be a part of of community. So my mom would have like, on any given, you know, weekend night, seven or eight uh, Filipino women in her flat with her. And they would cook meals and I would just get passed around and I would fall asleep like in the nook of someone else's elbow or someone else would give me a bath or they would all kind of sprawl out and I would end up, you know, spending the night on the couch with another nanny or, you know, in between two nannies on a bed. And it was just this very built-in community. My mom never worried, never had to ask someone to, you know, oh, can you change her nappy? None of that. It was just... 
granted, I, I understand this is a little different because it was a bunch of women and me, but it was just this idea of, you know, uh, everyone just took a turn and there was something just so so natural about it. Um, and I love that story so much because when I had babies, I felt really, I felt really isolated. Totally. Um, and so I'm actually always, I always get kind of choked up when I think about uh, how lucky I was to just be surrounded by just a bunch of women on the weekends who loved being around each other and would just kind of pass me around and they would tell stories and play cards and, you know, uh, drink Chinese beer and make Filipino food. Um, and I, I, want I want to foster that now even though I don't have babies you know what I mean totally yeah I mean I felt that same isolation when I had kids too and I think it is unfortunately you know it is a byproduct of our kind of individualistic American culture and you know we have this sort of like every man for himself cultural norm and sure there's some great things about it but like you know, that collectivism that's more inherent in most Asian cultures, most Mexican cultures, African American culture, where the community really takes care of one another. It's really hard to live that way and to parent that way. It's funny because I have, there's a Filipino family that lives directly across from my house. If I open my door, their door is right across the street. Mm. And then their family owns another house that's about five houses down. And between the two houses, there's probably four nuclear families that live together with two different grandmas, if that makes sense. So it's two sisters living with their kids and those people's kids. And it's a lot of people. But I mean, these, I, I really actually feel a lot of jealousy of like, there's always someone there for those kids, you know, and yeah. they're just kind of raising each other's kids. And they're, they're, they're the sweetest kids, too. And one of them, you know, they're a little older than mine. And so one of them was our babysitter for years and years. And I just like could cry talking about how sweet she was with my kids. But I always see them walking back and forth every generation just walking from house to house, like whose house are we having dinner at or, who, you know, and um, to me, that's community care. But it's hard to create that when it's not a part of your culture. Yes. No, I I agree with that. And then I am always so grateful when I see little hints of it, you know, like, even if it's even if it's something as simple as, oh, no, you know, the kids have an event here, but one kid's homesick. And then just a mom goes, oh, I'll, I'll pick up your kid and and drop her off. And even just that, that's so simple. And that's something that you and I would do easily. Um, I am always I'm always so uh, I don't know, I, I find that really heartwarming. And I even still, um, I'll, I keep an extra booster in the back of my SUV I just in too. case I have to, just in case I have to bring like some another you know small yep. kid around. Um, and I, I don't, I don't know what it is. I, I, I want to get to the place where that's like just feels super common, and you know, like I don't know. I would never. Sh- Do you ever show up unannounced to people's houses? Um, generally, no, but I will say that I have created – in my neighborhood, um, there are a couple other moms where – and we even jokingly call each other sister wives – where we mm. will kind of parent each other's kids. And I can say, can you pick my kids up? And my kids are at their – Claire's one of them. Claire who, yeah. you know, um, who is our little um, resident beauty expert, you know. But um, – so I do have that. Um but it took a while to build. And then, you know, what happened is I moved away. I moved away from this neighborhood um, to another neighborhood and I couldn't build it there. And I moved back over right. the, like 
I mean, there were other reasons also involved, but part of the reason I moved back was I felt like I couldn't function without that community. Right. Right. Yeah. And I, even like for the people here that are listening that aren't parents, I, uh, how do you see that with people who like don't even have kids? Like remove kids for a second. What would community care look like for you? And I bring this up because I remember when my dad passed, I was in I was so sad and I was uh grieving and um I had to fly to Australia for um you know as he was, you know, at his end days and I came back and I was dealing with a uh, time change and not being with my siblings because we all kind of live on different continents. And people would say, like, what can I do? What can I do? And I truly didn't know. Like, I had no idea what I needed. And finally, someone said, hey, have you eaten today? Yeah. Uh, Can I do a Chipotle run for you? And I didn't realize, like, how badly I just needed a burrito and a Diet Coke. Does that make sense? And, like, someone someone just showed up with a burrito and a Diet Coke for me. And it was, like, it was a healing burrito. Yes. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I mean, I've had that same experience before I had kids. Um, when I was married, Mark was in a really serious car accident. Um, like it was bad. And so, you know, I, I think I was in the hospital, I think probably three to four days without having left or taken a shower. And I had some friends show up to the hospital and they drove me home and they dro- they walked me into my house and they told me what to do. It was like they parented me. Like mm. I was so shell-shocked and they were like, you're going to take a shower and now we're going to pack your bag and now we're going to get you something to eat. And they just like walked me through. Um, but those are friends from church. And then, you yeah. know, I have since left that church community But that's, you know, I think that is the beauty of those kinds of communities. And if you don't have it in a church, it's sort of like you have to, you have to be intentional and build it if it's important to you. And I do think it's a part of self-care. I think building a community is an integral part of self-care. But it's really hard. And how do you do that? Yeah. How do you do that when you're new to a community or, you know, for example, like I, you know, your neighborhood, you know, there's a bunch of houses together and your kids can walk or bike and your kids walk to school. Um, And I live out in the woods and, you know, you can't really walk to anyone's home. right? Um, uh, Although, you know, they they do (laughs) down back behind the barn. There's another family. Um, We we sound like we're really out in the sticks when I say that. But (laughs) and so anytime we can like we foster we can foster that is really is really lovely. But I find that it does take work because especially when you're a parent, you need to be pals with the parent and then the kids need to be pals with the kids. Yeah. You know, and it's like this, it's it's like a I don't know, it's like you need like a family Tinder. That sounds super gross, but you know what I mean. You do you kind of do though. I'll tell you what I did. When I um when my kids started at when my kids started school, I wasn't making friends automatically because I'm I'm just introverted and I had a lot of little kids and I didn't like – I always had a, a baby in arms so it felt awkward like trying to stand there and make conversation. And I remember one year I was just feeling really isolated. We had left our church community. I didn't have that community as much and I didn't know – I remember at one point thinking, I don't know a single person at my kid's school that I could call to pick my kids up. Wow. Yeah. And I, I felt so sad and, and like scared. I mean, you know, that's a scary feeling or just someone to text and say, Hey, is tomorrow minimum day? Or, you know, do we have school mm. on this day or what? I'd no one. I didn't know anybody. So one year going back to school, I invited anyone, 
anyone from my kid's school over. And I, ca- I think I called it like um, mimosas with moms. So it was like back to school. I just invited anyone who wanted to come over to my house for mimosas. And like 30 people showed up. Wow. And I think the people that showed up were also the people looking for community. And then of those 30 people, maybe like five or six stayed for like three hours. Oh, yeah. And those women are some of my closest friends now. Yeah, that's lovely. Because we were all needing it. But I had to do something awkward and sort of forced. And You know what I mean? Like I had to just kind of put myself out there. And then I feel like after that, then I just kept pushing in. Like, And, and I feel like I was like, trying to offer what I wanted out of that community. And I had to do it by just offering it first, right? Like, hey, Mm. did you, does anybody's kids need a ride to such and such? Or can I do this for you? Can I do that for you? And then after enough of that, it becomes habit and reciprocal. Right. It's it's funny because I read somewhere an article, maybe it was like Fast Company or one of the, one of the businessy articles that one way to foster a relationship with someone is to actually ask them for a favor. And I don't know that I don't know the psychology behind it. And you you could probably speak better to this. But there's something about it where if someone needs something from you, maybe like, I don't know, that does something. I don't know, I'm not not that you're necessarily endeared to them, but it's giving you the opportunity to help someone else. Um, Which not to say that you should just go around and start asking people to borrow 20 bucks. But uh, even just like, hey, uh, going out on a limb and saying, I actually need someone to pick up my kid on Thursday. Can you, can you, do you, would you be able to do that? And that feels terrible for me because I hate asking for help. But I also love it when people ask me for help, like, or a mom that I wasn't really close with. Totally. Yeah, she was, I wasn't close with her. And she said, hey, um, do you think like after they get back from the field trip, you can bring my kids home? And I was so honored. I said, yes, absolutely. And I immediately felt like she trusts me to take her kids home. Isn't that funny? I feel the same way. I would be so reluctant and hesitant to ask. But if someone asked me, I'm like, oh, my gosh, yes. Yes. And and like, I mean it. I completely mean it. Like, it does. It feels flattering. And like, I, I like helping. That is such an interesting – I never would have thought of it that way. But I think there's some real truth to that. Do you um, – does your school's community um, – do, do you guys have like a Facebook group? Uh, oh, like, I made oh. it. I, I created it. That oh, was, look at you. I mean, that was, yes, absolutely another way of me trying to find community. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it, I, that's I, been really helpful, too. Yeah, I ended up joining one, and it's, you know, the local local parents. And I really appreciate that. And it's actually, you know, one of the reasons why I'm like, eh, I shouldn't get off Facebook because it's a really great way for, for me to chat with other parents, even even on the logistical stuff where it's like, oh, right, you know, it is a minimum day on Wednesday. But then – I don't know, you kind of get to know people a little bit as they contribute and you kind of f- feel out who, who your people are because there's, uh, l- let's say you get together with every single, you know, parent at your kid's school, there's, you're not going to necessarily, it's, it's kind of like dating where it you is. have to be able to, totally you know, you, you have to be able to be compatible with them too. So it's, I feel like it's a nice way to sort of test the waters. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so true. I, I, in our Facebook group, there was this one mom that was constantly leaving these like really funny, sarcastic comments. And I basically was like, oh, she'll be my friend. Like I'll make her yes. my friend. And I am her friend now. <laughs> yes. And you might have to edit this joke out, but um, I was able to, like, I'm able to weed out who I don't want to be friends with if they expose oh, yeah. themselves as like flat earthers. I'm like, eh. Oh, eh. totally. Yeah. <laughs> that too. Yeah. <laughs> Completely. 
Or, you know, mildly to moderately racist. It's like, nah, no playdates there. Oh, totally. Um, yeah, no, it it is definitely a good way to like – yeah. I mean, there are times that I, you know, my kids will even talk about some other parent and I'll, you know, oh, okay, well, they're politically offensive. So, well, <laughs> they won't be our best friends. Yeah. I would love to, I would love for a listener to come away with like practical tips on how to uh, foster community care for themselves, but then also for others. So I think your ideas are great, like mimosas with moms or starting a Facebook group or joining a Facebook group, um, offering to bring like something simple, like bring a kid home or ask for a favor. But um, how would you like if you see someone if you see know that um, someone is struggling? Is there is do you have a go to do you like make a casserole? Or is there something that you do in order to foster community with someone that you think is uh, struggling? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm I love taking meals to people. And you know what's funny is like even in my own neighborhood, one thing that we started doing is we started making cookies for people at Christmas, right? Just we just took them to all the neighbors. Aww. But then there's a couple neighbors who then started reciprocating and then <laughs> It's funny, the Filipino family across the street, like anytime I have extra food, I take it over there and then they do the same for me. And so it's almost become this, I don't know, it's like almost absurd at times. Like they've brought us like a huge cake before, (laughs) but they're just, that makes it feel communal. Like, I don't know, even though it's just a really small thing, I feel like when we can get out of our houses, and I will say this too, I want to be real clear like I have some amazing neighbors and then I have some really awful neighbors yeah <laughs> like awful yeah. <laughs> like awful <laughs> and you know you win some you lose some sure sure <laughs> <laughs> yeah I like I like um the idea of bringing food I am admittedly a very a terrible cook um How are you but, really oh my gosh it is it is such a struggle. And I think part of it is I find it really stressful. So here's an example. I don't know how to I, – I never make bacon well. Like for some reason, like just even simple, simple tasks. I'm like watching tutorials on YouTube or like looking at I, – I need step-by-step recipes. It's, it, it's, a, it's a struggle. So I do not cook for people. However, I will get groceries delivered to them. Yes. That I could do. I am really good at ordering online. <laughs> well, did you know, I actually just did this just this week. Um, you can DoorDash to someone else's house. Yes. So I DoorDash to a friend who lives in Canada. Like, Oh, that's awesome. You know, because they were, they were under the weather. Um, and so that's kind of a fun thing now is like, it used to be that the people who could bring you the casseroles, you know, metaphorically, but also really, you know, wh- when there is a birth or a death or a hospital visit or what have you, it used to be just local people. Now it's like, you can do it for people who live in another state. Yeah, I was, uh, we did like a meal train for someone who had a baby. And I, you know, so many of us didn't live in her in her area. So we just, it was like Uber Eats or like a, yep. a, a gift card to somewhere local, or I'm just going to Venmo you money to order pizza, which I think is a really nice way to still, because I mean, the online community is so big. And sometimes, yeah. you know, sometimes you have to foster community online as well. Um, yeah. Even if it's not, even if it's not local. Um, I talk to you and I'm on the other side of the continent. So oh, totally. I mean, yeah. most of my closest friends, I'm not local to. And I will say this, I mean, I, you know, I have to give props to our selfie Facebook community because it's I think that there's some real community care going on in there too 
Totally. And I, I what I like too is that uh, I think it's been a nice uh, a, a nice place to come where you can ask a question or start a conversation and there is it's like there's no real boundaries or parameters. You know what I mean? Like nothing's too weird. Totally. I completely agree. Yeah. And I mean, unless it's, you're talking about gas, in which case that's offensive. And, and then in that case, you go straight to vomiting. So <laughs> Totally. <laughs> and, you know, I think I, I would say, you know, probably a big takeaway about community care, though, is that it's something that you have to invest in when things are going well, you know, that, you know, it, it's like you have to kind of pour into it. I almost think of it as like a bank, you know, like, you kind of have to pour into it when times are good um, to benefit from it when things are hard, which is really when I think we need community care the most. So it's like, to me, it's like I'm, I am thinking of like, how, how am I serving the women that are in my community when things are, you know, when, when I'm, cause it's like, we all have waves, right? We're all, sure. we all have the times when we're on the top of the wave and then inevitably the times when we're on the bottom. And it's like, am I serving when I'm on top of the wave so that when I'm on the bottom, someone's going to come around inside me? Right. Yeah. I, uh, you know, in the middle of some of these, uh, really sort of hectic and high stress days, I had a friend just text me two words and it was just welfare check. And it was just mm. – it, it was so nice. And I was like, ah, actually, I'm struggling a little bit. And um, just a check-in like that I found so touching, you yeah. know. Um, and it might not – maybe – we all have different needs and it might not do much. And maybe one of – someone else might would rather just have the, the burrito delivery, right? But um, <laughs> it was nice to just know, okay, I'm – like this person's thinking about me and is concerned about me. And that's someone that I can just kind of – like if I if I just say hey I I am struggling right now or I've just had a really stressful you know two hours or I'm facing this big thing happening this afternoon, it's nice to have that. I don't know even if it's via text message that community. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think sometimes too it's nice to take the burden of planning or thought off of other people if that makes sense. So like rather than like hey you know we want to make a meal train for you like tell us the nights and tell, you know, tell us the foods. It's like, just do it, you know, like right. let people not think. I mean, that's been so helpful for me in the past. I know, you know, I mean, even like if someone makes an appointment for me, it's like, oh, I don't have to, th I don't have to think about doing that. Like they made the appointment for me. <laughs> it is honestly, I think it's like alleviating the, the emotional burden or the yeah. emotional toll and even just helping minimize decision fatigue yes. is, Huge. Totally. It's huge because that I will get caught up in decision, like in like, I just need to make a decision. I just yeah. need to know X or Y. And to have someone kind of solve that for me is such a gift. Totally. Well, we would love to continue this conversation over in our self selfie Facebook community. We would love to hear from you guys on how community care works for you. Have you found it? Have you been successful in it? Is it a challenge? And what are the specific steps that you have taken to figure out community care for yourself? Thanks for joining us. Continue the self-care conversation with us over at Instagram at at Selfie Podcast. And make sure to join our uber supportive community that we love on Facebook by searching for Selfie Podcast Community. You can also visit our website to check out the resources we've talked about in each episode at selfiepodcast.com. Make sure to subscribe to Selfie on iTunes so that you can catch up with us next week. Special thanks to Shepherd Audio for providing our music. Take care.